0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome to The House That Happens and the only place to be in suburban Etobicoke. Shuey's Bar and Grill voted four times. The best dive bar in the GTA, but it's number one in all the universe in our hearts. I'm Andrew Milani, or you can call me Andrew Maloney today, as I'm all alone here. No cruise. Today on The House That Happens, he is recovering from a car accident that uh, happened yesterday. He is okay. We're planning a midweek show uh, with him, so expect him to be back soon, and we wish him a uh, speedy and uh, quick recovery here from the house that happens. Um, just me this week, it's, we're gonna get to a few of the things that surprised me, interested me, and just thought notable around the world of sports. Today we'll be talking CFL, the US Open, FIBA, the NBA making some changes to the rules regarding resting players, Formula One. The NHL, MLB, and, of course, the NFL. We'll finish off with that today, including all of my picks against the spread this week. But uh, I want to open with the CFL this week. Uh, Argos, of course, winning 23-20 against Montreal, now 11-1 and on the season. Uh, they That puts them first, uh, not only in the Eastern Division, uh, clinching the Eastern Division at this point, so they'll have a bye to the Eastern Final, but... Also with the best record in the entire league. And they have a chance here to make some real history. If they win out the rest of the way, they'll have the CFL record for most wins in a season. Right now, the wins record is 16. 16-2 season. They play 18 games in the CFL. If the Argos go 17-1, and one, they'll have that wins record. and I mean... You got to like where the Argos are going. They've been gaining momentum slowly this season. Uh, attendance up 20% from last year. So people starting to take notice uh, of this team, their success. And uh, just really noticed, noting that this is not a team to be overlooked and passed by, especially when we have a couple of disappointing uh, teams in this market, uh, notably TFC, who lost again this weekend. Spoiler alert, they will not be resigning Sebastian Jovinko. As, as if that was any real possibility. Uh, and of course the Blue Jays, which will, even though, though they are plus 500, one of the most disappointing Blue Jays teams I've uh, watched possibly ever, especially uh, a winning team, but we'll get to more of that later. You look at the schedule for uh, the Argos' next game. Saturday they got the Hamilton Tiger Cats at home. Following Friday... This is the real tough one. This is where the the whole argument of them uh, potentially getting the wins record may fall apart because they go into Winnipeg the week after. That's going to be a tough one. Still winnable. They have a better record than Winnipeg. This is the team that they beat last year in the Grey Cup, if you can remember. But uh, it's going to be a tough one either way. If you're going to circle any game as the one that could be the loss that sets them back to 16-2 and two or whatever, that, that would be the one. Uh, next, they got Edmonton, the Elks at home. Ottawa at home, uh, and then they finish off the season at Saskatchewan at Ottawa. Saskatchewan, you might think, oh, it's a you know tough stadium, tough team, but uh, they are not having the most success this year. So uh, I believe they're 6-7 and seven on the year. So that's, once again, a very winnable game. You got, like, the Argos chances. Hopefully a chance here to go back-to-back. Back. I, I don't even recall. I believe it was in the 90s when they had um, – Oh, my God, I'm blanking on his name right now. Doug Flutie. That would have had to been the last time. 96-97, I believe, was the last time the Argos went back-to-back. Could be a gr- glorious opportunity here with Chad Kelly, of course, got that big raise, earned every penny, penny of it here, at least from the House's opinion. And uh, just good luck to the Argos. We know Serge and a lot of the people here in the Argos are – a lot of people here, excuse me, at Chewy's are uh, cheering on the Argos. Uh, we're going to have uh, Peter Ross on. I've uh, had conversation with with him. He's going to be on uh, once again. I don't know if you remember him as a guest from earlier on. He's going to be back on to talk some Argos towards the end of the season, more to look at uh, the playoff outlook. He's going to also be discussing some hockey and basketball, and I'm sure some NFL as well by that time. So uh, let's go Argos. Moving on, the U.S. Open finished last weekend. Uh, we predicted, uh, we recorded the show, of course, on Thursday, that we would be seeing an Alcaraz- Novak Djokovic final. That, of course, did not come to fruition as Alcaraz was defeated in four sets by Daniel Medvedev in the semifinals. Uh, the number three seed Medvedev beating the number one Alcaraz. And he, doing it in four sets, won the first one on a tiebreaker, uh, and then ended up just storming through that next set, winning that one 6 1, and really didn't look back from there. After and then, Alcaraz and um, Medvedev exchanged 6 3 sets. Then, uh, of course, Novak Djokovic just smoked the American Ben Shelton, the only uh, unranked player left there in the men's uh, bracket. Beat him 6-3, 6-2, and then it took uh, the tiebreaker to do it in the third set, but he ended up doing it, clinching his spot in the final. And then on Championship Sunday, Djokovic got the clean sweep, won in straight sets against Medvedev. Uh, sets 1 and 3 were one six three, but then he had to squeezed through that second set to win that one in tiebreakers ended up winning that one seven to five and i mean Djokovic jokovic just says move over i'm the goat and i mean it's hard to argue with that logic i mean Djokovic has just been so consistent just so calm cool and collected there on the court um he's the favorite of, of you know between federer nadal Djokovic, kind of the three goats of that generation he's been my favorite the whole way through uh just love his playing style. Federer always kind of pissed me off because he's that guy, you know, it's like he has got that King Roger thing going on a bit of a diva where, you know, he would never show the other guy uh, any really respect after the match. It was always like, Oh, I did this wrong. I did this wrong. I did this wrong, you know? Uh, And and meanwhile, Djokovic, when he does lose, he is very gracious in defeat, never afraid to uh, give props to his opponent. And I, I respect that a lot. And that makes that uh, Djokovic's fourth U.S. Open title, going back to 2011 when he won his first. And I mean, you could argue that he was robbed of uh, a couple of these U.S. Open and uh, of yes, of these U.S. Open titles in the back uh, in the past because of uh, these stupid rules with uh, vaccine mandates in the state of New York. It wasn't able to go there a couple years in a row. And he makes his grand return and course wins it i don't want to say handily um but i mean he he kind of he squeaked through in one of the earlier rounds but then i mean once he got to you know quarterfinals semi-finals finals i mean just annihilating the competition big congratulations to him and congratulations to medvedev as well going to the finals upsetting alcaraz wasn't quite the finals that uh, we want to see it here at the house but uh Gotta give props to the guys that made it there. On the women's side, of course, Coco Gauff was the big story. An American in the finals. Um, I mean, of course, we've had Serena Williams kind of going in the finals of the US Open all every year, basically. But uh, I mean, they love you know the homegrown town doing it there, still waiting for the a man to re, a man to return back to US Open glory and erotic last one I believe that was 2003 this is the last time an American man won the US Open but uh, regardless Coco Goff the number 6 seed going up against the number 2 seed Arnia Zabalenka Zabalenka took the first set 6-2 and uh, at that point I gotta be honest I was a little worried for Coco there you know breaking your uh, serve twice it's tough to come back from that but then Coco Goff storms back 6-3 6-2 to capture her first US Open her first major I believe as well um and you know she is one of these players um 19 years old yeah that was her first major um made to the french open final last year as well um but yeah 19 years old i mean you could be looking at the future of women's tennis here so all the skill in the world um avoided swat check there that could have been, been her quarterfinal matchup, but I mean, you can only face who's in front of you. And Coco did what she could to get through this tournament, and looked great. So, a big congratulations to her. Uh, moving on, we'll touch on the 2023 FIBA Basketball World Cup. Canada finally picking up some hardware in the world of basketball. <laughs> big round of applause for them, especially Shea Gilgis Alexander. Dylan Brooks, Kelly Olenek. Um, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now, but it's just been such a fantastic run for this Canadian men's team. Finally qualified back for the Olympics for the first time since 2000. And I mean, uh, well, I'll, I'll get to that a little bit more later, but that bronze medal game coming down to overtime against the States. I mean, if you weren't biting your nails as a Canadian basketball fan, I don't know if you had like any you're like bleeding whatever like well like what's with you i gotta be honest but uh dylan brooks leading the way 39 points in that 127 118 win canada just smoking the states in overtime storm back and i mean the states did a good job to storm back in that fourth quarter to force overtime but canada got that foot right back on the gas brooks but rj barrett oh my god i should have named him dwight powell both uh with seven rebounds and shea of course 12 assists He's been dynamite this tournament. He is not only the future of Canadian men's basketball, but he's the present as well. Let's let's be real. He's already our best player. And, and I mean, with Jamal Murray and Andrew Wiggins coming for time in the Olympics, that's going to be incredible. The only problem is now, who's going to come off the team? Like, you got feel for guys like Corey Joseph, um, who have given their time, lots of time to this uh, program, to the, to their country. Uh, but there's only so many spots on the roster. I believe it's, what, 13 players you're allowed to take with you to the Olympics? You're going to have to cut a few guys to make some room for uh, for Wiggins and Murray. But, I mean, for the first time ever, Canada's going to have to cut players on NBA squads. So uh, it's obviously a fantastic problem to have. And uh, shout-out to Germany as well, winning their first ever FIBA Basketball World Cup, uh, beating Serbia 83-77 in the final Uh, Dennis Schroeder, leading the way for them. Ended up being named MVP of the tournament. So uh, that's a big get, obviously, for the Raptors. Excited about that one. Uh, Dylan Brooks, named best defensive player of the team. Arguably the best perimeter defender in the world right now. And uh, he's Canadian, so you got to love that. Uh, All-star team for the tournament. I'll just name the first all-stars. Dennis Schroeder, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Anthony Edwards of the States, Bogdan Bogdanovich of Serbia. And of course, the host That Happens certified bitch, Luka Doncic, completing the squad. I'm sure Cruz is going to love that one. Uh, so once again, big, uh, big congratulations to Canada. Looking forward to the 2024 Olympics, Summer Olympics in Paris, France. Uh, one more note on basketball, actually. So the NBA. And resting players, it's been a hot topic here on The House That Happens. We had some opinions when uh, the NBA quietly got that CBA renegotiated with the Players Association. We thought, oh, this is going to be the end of this conversation. The resting players is just going to, that whole situation, situation is going to stay status quo. Well, don't we look like idiots now? Because the NBA and NHL, and NBA. NBA PA are putting in in place new rules to prevent uh resting players. Obviously. It's been it's been pissing fans off, and I mean it's it's easy to see why. You know, you show up, especially when you pay to go watch a basketball game live, you know, you want to see, you know, player X, player Y, player Z. Oh, guess what? They're all resting because playoffs are right around the corner. Or for whatever, just load management. Thank you, Messiah and the Raptors for putting that nonsense phrase in our heads for the rest of our lives. Um, So basically, uh, we'll get into the rules a little bit here. So no more than one star player is unavailable for the same game. So what defines a star player, uh, at least to my understanding is, or here it is right here, uh, one who has made an all-star game or been selected to an all-star game or all NBA team In any of the last three seasons sounds fair Um, and then teams must ensure that star players are available for national tv games and in-season tournament games again makes sense Uh, teams must maintain a balance between the number of one game absences for a star player in home games and road games with a preference for those absences to happen in home games So, this is all, you know, we can think of the Jimmy Butler situation from last year. There's the young fan um, coming to see him in another city. Oh, all of a sudden, you know, you can't see Jimmy Butler visiting your city because he's resting for that one game. So, I mean, you can, I understand why you'd be upset that, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a season ticket holder for whatever. I want to see, you know, let's say you're a Golden State season ticket holder, I want to see Steph Curry live and then they're resting him at home because of the preferences. I can see why you would be a little bit pissed off about that, but I mean, the road one makes sense because you know how many times is LeBron coming to Toronto? How many times is Steph Curry coming to Toronto? How many times does Kevin Durant come to Toronto? You get what I'm saying. Uh, teams must refrain from any long-term shutdown or near shutdown when a star player stops participating in games or plays in a materially reduced role in circumstances in fe- affecting the integrity of the game. That's a mouthful right there. Um, So basically, this is a lot of, like, guys being shut down at the end of the season once their team isn't going to make the playoffs. We saw this last year with Bradley Beal, the Wizards, and Damian Lillard of the Blazers basically not playing the last 10 or 11 games, uh, final games of the season, just shutting down and reloading for next year. You can't do that anymore. Uh, Teams must ensure that healthy players resting for a game are present and visible to the fans. I love this one can't hide if you're resting gotta be there in your street clothes by the bench wave to the fans blow kisses do whatever you want uh if it's so a team is going to be the one that gets fined in this case not the players which makes sense uh so for first violation it's 100, 100 grand second violation is quarter mil the next violation is 1.25 and then any violation after that you basically add on a million. So it'll go like for the fourth that's 2.25 then 3.25, 4.25 so on and so on and so forth. The big question is will this work? I think it'll work to an extent. Obviously teams are still going to be looking to rest players. Um, that's just not going to be stopped. I love that you can't do this on a nationally televised game anymore. The worst was when you turned on, you know, a TNT or an ESPN game, you know, looking for Giannis or Jokic or whoever to play in like they're not even in that night. It's a bad look for the league. Bad look for those teams as well. So I mean this rule maybe even put in place for the teams to kind of save themselves in a way, which is the job of the league. Let's be real. They're they work for the teams. Um ESPN lists the objectives of of these new rules. So achieve greater player participation in the full 82-game season, obviously. Minimize multiple star player absences in the same game, obviously. Uh, Prioritize national television in season games, in season tournament games. Improve fan and public perception. That should be number one on the list right there. I mean, ESPN can only do so much to defend the league here. Promote compliance via bright line rules and higher penalty bright line rules, what does that even mean? What's this nonsense mumbo jumbo language? Uh some more rules. So in order for to be eligible for MVP or any all-star team, defensive player, all any of that, uh player must have played in at least 65 regular season games. The player played in at least and, and or, I guess, the player played in at least 62 games, suffered a season-ending injury, and played in at least 85% of the regular season games played by his team prior to suffering said in injury. Again, makes sense. Now, I'm of the mindset that if you're going to win an award in any sport anyways, you should be playing over 60 Game, so at least 75 percent over that probably closer to 80 so 65 that's that's about there right there I've gone on this on about this number of times with the NHL especially with the Vesna trophy all Mark should not have won it with the Bruins this year not to make this about hockey in Toronto once again much less the stinking Bruins but uh, what the article also gets into teams affected by this so it lists all the players that would fall under the all-star category for you Interested. The only player on the Raptors is Pascal Siakam. Of course, Van Vliet is so with Houston now. He also fun- falls under that. Um, and then after the All-Star game this year, this obviously puts a little wrinkle in there because there's going to be new players that fall into this. So teams are going to have to manage that. And it's going to be interesting to see if... Uh, like, let's hear Tyrese Maxey of the Sixers. So... If he makes an all-star team or it makes the, you know, all-star game, all of a sudden he's considered an all-star and they're going to have to watch how they rest him now. So it's going to be interesting to see if maybe some guys that are on the cusp get rested a little bit more earlier in kind of uh, anticipation of, um, of them becoming an all-star. We'll see. I mean, um, the player obviously has a say in this as well, I imagine. Um, Then it details some exceptions to this. Um, the one thing I, I, I want to ask though is just why not just sort, turn the regular season at this point then go to 72 or 74 games however many have been proposed and a lot of this gets solved um, the NBA unlike the NHL and the CFL generate a, a lot of the revenue from TV from streaming uh it's not obviously they make money from the tickets as well but that's not the the core of their business so there is room here for them to remove a few games especially with this in-season tournament I mean you can play with that as well you know where you take away some regular season games and still have those in-season games not because right now those a lot of those games will count towards the regular season so you can fix that um Overall, I like the rules I, I'm a little skeptical about how much of the guys that are in that would have been now to actually like come in now. I, I'd be curious to see the numbers about this at the end of the season. I think it's gonna help a bit kind of marginally um we'll see though I like that you're not allowed to rest guys like back to back games that kind of thing uh, where it could just become total and utter ridiculousness. Um, so good on the NBA for at least trying, making a, a, a step here. Maybe not a significant uh, leap, but, you know, a step step nonetheless. So good on the NBA. Talking F1 now. Um, we had the Singapore Grand Prix today. A bit of a shock at qualifying yesterday. But uh, first, I want to talk about uh, Max firing back. Max Verstappen, of course, firing back at Toto Wolf After he says that the wins record was for Wikipedia. Uh, this is, an, uh, I guess, a long stream of Mercedes people taking shots at Max. Of course, Lewis took a shot at Max uh, a week or two ago, saying that he was a bad teammate, which is hilarious, because Max and, and Lewis have never been teammates. Fierce rivals, yes. Uh, teammates, never. Now, Toto's saying that the wins record doesn't really matter, it's just for Wikipedia. Max tells him to focus on his own team, which is the right answer. That's why I love Max. He just he speaks his mind. Fuck you, Toto. I got the wins record. Worry about your fucking later, Hosen. Does that mean? I don't know Toto's been a bit of a bitch ever since that drive to survive thing, where he's taking shots at Red Bull, saying that the car was dangerous. Like, no, you're just being a bitch. You're upset that your car doesn't have the performance. Red Bulls does. Ferraris does too, but they just don't know what to do with it. But uh, maybe Ferrari figured something out a little bit this weekend. Carlos Sainz, second weekend in a row, second race in a row, I should say, on pole position. And he manages to win the race. Carlos Sainz getting his second, or excuse me, I believe it's his third win of his career. He had two last year, if I recall. Uh, And that puts him fifth in the championship now. Of course, no one's going to have a shot at beating Max or Red Bull this year, but... uh, both Red Bull drivers not getting past Q two uh yesterday to qualifying. Big shock, just I mean, you could argue maybe they got a little bit screwed by the order, but Red Bull just did not have the pace in Singapore. Just did not um sorry, I believe that's Carlos's second win, rather. Um, Ferrari was off to a great start today one-two for a lot of the race signs with Leclerc behind him. But then, I don't know what happened there. At the end of the race, especially, just Leclerc, the, the pace just completely fell off. He was doing horrible there. Maybe he used up too too much of the tires early on. I don't know. Didn't conserve enough. But I uh, was just losing time. Uh, Lando, it was uh, Carlos Lando's uh, Leclerc in the clo- entering the closing stages of the race. Russell and Hamilton using the undercut Pitting under virtual safety car to try and catch up from behind. And they just look like men on a mission. Russell especially looked like he was gonna have a chance, a real chance to win this race. Um passed both of them, him and Hamilton, passed Leclerc easily. But then they just cannot solve Lando Norris. And a big shout out there to Lando Norris. He's been absolutely tremendous here, especially um since Austria, that's really been when we've seen sort of the rise of uh of McLaren here, especially at Silverstone. With uh him and Piastri with that great finish second and fourth. And I mean, McLaren's one of those teams to watch. I've criticized this team in the past, both well, especially privately. I don't know if I've ever brought up on the show where I've criticized Zach Brown. I've criticized this team being um uh, customer team of Mercedes. I thought they would have to go to um, an exclusive partnership, kind of like what they had back in the day with uh, Honda and uh, with uh, Mercedes in the late 90s, early 2000s or into the 2000s rather before that situation just completely broke down and Mercedes became their own team. Um, but you know what? They could be making strides here. I don't know. Maybe it is still true that they can't win the whole championship being a customer team but uh, they're certainly making more strides than I thought they would have so I gotta give McLaren a lot of uh, a lot of props there, I got my buddy Marco, he's big McLaren fan so I'm sure he's very happy about this uh, podium finish for Orlando Norris, that's his boy Ferrari though uh, I mean Leclerc, he's been looking a little disappointing I mean I mean if you look at pure performance this year Ferrari, they're not that far behind Red Bull, believe it or not. Uh, just managing uh, all these assets has been a big issue with this team. I thought Fred Vasseur would be would have a bigger impact on this team, to be honest, coming in. But obviously, there's a lot more that has to be changed at, at uh, Ferrari than we may have thought. Uh, looks like they have a long view. But I mean, with these two drivers, I mean, how much time could they possibly have? Like, these are young drivers in their prime. I mean, now's the time to go for it. Uh, Seven races left to go in the season. Japan, Suzuka, one of my personal favorites, is next up. Uh, Then Qatar. I I don't recall, honestly, how the track is there. Probably not a good one. All these Middle Eastern races kind of suck, and not just because of their human rights issues. (laughs) Um, Then we got USA. So uh, Circuit of the Americas in Texas, an okay track, not one of my favorites, but uh, one that's deserving of the calendar. Mexico, that's usually a pretty fun one. Uh, Brazil, another great one, in Sao Paulo, uh, and then we end the season in Vegas and Abu Dhabi. Vegas, this is the night race. I'm skeptical of this one, we'll see. Could be fun along the Vegas Strip, but I predict that it's going to be a typical like street race where, like Singapore here, there's you know not much room for passing. Although, and then Singapore, it was an exciting race just because Red Bull <laughs> was kind of further back in the pack, kind of allowing a race between uh, Mercedes, uh, Ferrari, and McLaren. Nasted Martin losing it, too. forgot to mention, last Lance Stroll crashed out in Q1 of qualifying yesterday. Uh, didn't start in the race today, hoping he's okay. Um,. Starting to feel like the end of the road for Lance Stroll. I believe he is on contract for one more year, but I mean, those can be ripped apart at any time. And uh looks like he might be going to play tennis soon. And then Abu Dhabi, another boring Middle Eastern race. It's a real shame that that's the end of the season now. If it, if it were up to me, it would be Brazil, last race of the season. What a way to go on that one, wouldn't it be? And open the season in Australia. Let's get rid of all the Middle Eastern races. Moving on. To NHL. A lot to talk about here. Uh, so we we're going to talk a little bit about Logan Mayu because we do keep tabs on the Habs. You're welcome, Cruz. Um, but I'll leave this one for next week when he's back so we can obviously give his non-biased opinion on Logan Mayu and his potential return to the NHL. It doesn't look like... Or sorry, it does look like he will be cleared to play. It just hasn't happened uh, officially. Uh, also rumors of Patrick Kane eventually signing in Detroit. I'm lukewarm on these rumors, to be honest. I think Patrick Kane is going to go where he thinks, A, he can get paid, of course, but B, maybe more importantly, where he thinks he'll have a chance to win. Can Detroit win? I don't think so. I, I was having a conversation. I uh, went up for... Walk with my buddy Rob the other night. Of course, he's a hockey fan too. Loves the Red Wings. His dad's a Bruins fan, so he has a soft spot for them. Likes the Leafs as well. I don't know how that works, but he makes it work apparently. The Red Wings, I think they can score. I define them as fun but bad or bad but fun, however you want to phrase it. They're also missing first round pick this year which could make things a little interesting that Boston's though so potentially trading a uh, top 10 pick for one of those like middle first round picks my god how are these organized on cap friendly Jesus how does it give New Jersey the top pick of the draft didn't it just go like alphabetical I don't get how this works maybe it's just all the traded pick no it's not even that. This is bizarre. Take a look at Cap Friendly's 2024 draft. You'll see what I'm talking about. So Detroit uh, traded a first-round pick as part of the package to get Debrinkat from Ottawa. Okay, so they have the option. So they have the option of which first-round pick. But it's like if both picks are, like, top 10, then it gets into, like, you know, the mumbo-jumbo lawyer talk. But... Looking at the rosters right now, I mean, up front, Detroit has Larkin, DeBrincat, Kopp, Comfer, Perron, Fabry, Clem Coston, Daniel Sprong, Christian Fisher, Lucas Raymond, Joseph Valeno, Jonathan Bregan. That's a pretty good forward group. I think they'll be able to score. They finally have a running mate for Dylan Larkin, who the more I think about it, the more I think he is the most underrated player in the NHL. Just because he hasn't had that strong linemate. Like, you can't say it's Barkov anymore. Definitely not. Not after he's been, you know, nominated for the Selkie. Been to the Stanley Cup final, for God's sake. Um, but I mean, on defense, in nets, that's where the troubles really start to kind of fall into place for the Red Wings. So, I mean, in, op- in net, they have options. Ville James Reimer, and uh, the backup from Florida, Alex Lyon. I suspect he'll be Huso in line to start the season. Reimer probably getting, getting sent through waivers. I don't imagine anyone claiming him. So it could be a free waiver guy, basically. But on defense, this is where you start to go, ooh. Marie Sider, okay. Uh, a potentially elite defenseman. I, some would probably argue he, he is elite already. Um Jeff Petrie. He's 35. Still got some skill, but I mean, his uh, skills are obviously deteriorating with age. And 35 is the point where he could fall off a cliff. Ben Shearot, 32 with three years left on his deal. I don't know about that. Shane Gostespierre, guy not known for playing defense. Justin Hall, I'll leave it at that. Olimada, a guy who his career was supposed to be done like three times already. Though he's only 29. So, I don't know, maybe they could find something there with him in a, you know, number four, number five kind of role. Then Jake Wallman. Don't know too much about him, to be honest, but... I mean, looking at that, just looking at their roster, I think they're going to allow a lot of goals. I think they'll score a lot, though. It's going to be a tough Eastern Conference, which is the one thing, tough Atlantic division... I mean, you look at it, so they're not not—they're not going to pass Toronto. They're not going to pass Tampa. They're not going to pass Boston. They're not going to pass Florida. I think they're below Buffalo. I think Buffalo is going to make some strides. I've, I think they're ahead of Montreal. The question is between them and Ottawa. We'll see. Uh, Ottawa might also be facing some problems. Not to speculate too much, but with the Canadian junior investigation, which is still ongoing, uh, in case you don't remember, uh, the case was closed by the London police, but then they reopened it, so I heard they were getting prepared to do what they had to do a couple weeks ago. uh, CBC was reporting that. Still nothing, though, so I don't know. The investigation must have hit some sort of snag. Or they got to, like, you know, dot their I's, cross their T's here. I'm expecting the news there any day now. Um, so Patrick came to Detroit, though. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not sure he's going back to New York. I would have said that before. Honestly, it sounds crazy. I kind of make fun of people that say this, but you got to look at Buffalo as an option. Does he go to Buffalo. That is the question. Uh, A couple Canadian teams naming captains this week. Quinn Hughes getting named captain of the Vancouver Canucks and Adam Lowry being named captain of the Winnipeg Jets. I think those are both good choices. A little bit surprised uh, about the Vancouver one just because of Elias Pedersen. He looked like he was developing as the captain there. Problem is, no contract beyond this season. So Quinn Hughes, I mean, you hear that he's a good guy in the locker room, so he's young. He's on contract for many years to come with that team Obvious choice Winnipeg, I hear people Actually, actually back to Vancouver uh, I, I'd advise you all to check out the graphic that the Canucks made Of Quinn Hughes with uh, Photoshopped with all the previous Canucks captains There's one missing I'll give you a few seconds to guess If you guessed Marc Messier wasn't there, you'd be right And if you want to know why, just look up the history of Mark Messier in Vancouver. It did not go well. Canucks fans still can't stand him. And I mean, at the top of the list of why Canucks fans don't like him well, he took the captaincy away from Trevor Linden, who is right next to God in uh, Vancouver, basically. And of course, he brought Mike Keenan to town. Just a terrible coach. And we'll get back to terrible coaches later, but... uh, Adam Lowry, I hear people saying in Winnipeg he's a stopgap coach or a stopgap uh, captain, rather. Uh, but honestly, you look on the roster, and I don't see the next captain on this roster. If it wasn't going to be Morrissey now, I, I doubt he's going to come after Lowry, barring a trade, of course. Um, but I mean, I don't know, maybe Kyle Connor. It's definitely not going to be <laughs> Shifley, knowing uh, about some of the things that we've heard coming out of uh, the Jets' locker room. I mean, Lowry's that kind of third-line center guy. Heart and soul player, obviously good in the dressing room. Uh, Congratulations to both Hughes and Lowry for getting named captain. Best of luck. Uh, We all know how tough it can be to captain uh, a Canadian team. A lot of responsibility that comes to that, but uh, these gents certainly look up to it. Now, speaking of bad coaching, as I mentioned before, In the NHL, I would say there's only two coaches that have had tremendous success, each won a Stanley Cup, but are somehow universally reviled. Mike Keenan, of course, one of them, was a Stanley Cup winner with the Rangers in 1994, was hit with Mark Messier, apparently. And, of course, the second is uh, Mike Babcock. Mike mind games Babcock so you probably heard this by now but Daily um, Bitten Chicklets from Barstool reported uh, specifically uh, Paul Bissonette that Babcock was asking to look through players photos on their phones and then air dropping them on the TV in his office this immediately blew up, of course. A lot of it having to do with, of course, the uh, coaching question. Um, there was an initial uh, attempt to downplay this. Goudreau, Boone Jenner, and uh, Zach Wierenski, all uh, making statements saying that, no, was, you know he's just checking, you know, he just wanted to see our families on our phone, which is, I still think, a little weird, given it's someone you just met. But then the word got out that, and by the way, I I was just surprised how once Goudreau, uh, Jenner, and Wierenski got sent to fan out the, um, kind of, put water on this fire by, let's be real, this was Jets management telling them to downplay this. Hockey Twitter just bought that bait. Or Hockey uh, Reddit, rather. Just all over. Oh, nothing to see here, boys. Look, Goudreau, he wouldn't lie. The problem is... Babcock's bad reputation doesn't come from Established players in the middle of their career Who does he fuck with the most? Guys on their way in Guys on their way way out Goudreau, Jenner the captain And Wierenski obviously don't fit that bill Then we got word later Some young guys actually did have problems With what Babcock was saying Or was doing rather Hmm league investigates nhlpa investigates they met on friday we have not heard the results from this as of yet at least during when i'm recording Elliot friedman was initially trying to downplay this all of a sudden comes out with his next podcast on can't remember if it was wednesday or thursday all of a sudden saying oh where there could be smoke there's fire darren drager also reporting that babcock could lose his job from this now, obviously, Babcock deserves a lot of the blame here. Fucking around with these young guys. Oh, wait, let me see the photos on your phone. No, that's an invasion of privacy. Fuck off. What? So you can see the fucking uh like some whatever. So whatever on my phone? No, get out of here. If I have some hot six foot two goth girl with big boobs on my phone, that's that's my business and my business alone. Uh Frankie Corrado? on TSN spoke out about this. We obviously know the history there. He basically, you know, said something to the effect of, uh, you know, we know what to expect from Babcock. This is his reputation. This is the kind of guy he is. He only cares about himself. Uh, Corrado obviously was at odds with Babcock here in Toronto. Um, You can argue, we can argue all day whether or not it actually cost him, if it would have, if if it wasn't for this, if you would be a regular nhl but at the very least he lost his uh, his chance to do it. Well, I like to call it failing on your own terms, which is basically what happened to me. You know, I graduated from Humber and radio. Um, graduated right when COVID happened, had a job lined up. All of a sudden that all disappears. It all went away, just like ripped up paper, falling through my fingers could have applied for an internship somewhere, but I would have been, you know, taken advantage of for free work. I didn't have the schools, the school protecting me anymore with any sort of, you know, paperwork or whatever. Uh, so I decided to go in the workforce. It's all good though. I get to do this now and it kind of scratches that itch. But still, it, it. I think about that a little bit, you know, I lost the chance to fail on my own terms. It would have been nice even to, you know, get in there, realize, oh, hey, dummy, like, you know, this isn't for you. And then Fine, you know, whatever, get out, make do my thing independently, which is, of course, what I do now, but it is what it is. So Babcock. If this is true, that he was, you know, making players uncomfortable by doing this, and let's be real, this is an invasion of privacy. I heard some weird stuff, too, where he was asking for Columbus's management's phones, doing the same thing with them, it's just very weird. I think it's typical mind games from Mike Babcock. Um, I think Kekaline deserves a lot of shit for this too. You hired the man. What do you think was going to happen? Oh, but we don't get coaches like you usually like that in Columbus. I don't care. You just made yourself look like an idiot, buddy. If this, If the league and Players Association find that there was some foul play here, and you are forced, forced to fire him. What, now you gotta scramble and find a replacement with like a week or two left to go before a training camp? Idiot. Fucking idiot, Yarmo Kekalainen. I do, I do not feel bad at all. And also the people are all over uh, spit and chiclets saying, oh, they're just making this up for, for attention. Oh yeah, the biggest talkie podcast in the world, regularly getting, you know, hundreds of thousands of views every episode. Is doing this for attention. Oh, yeah, Mike, uh, or Paul Bisonette's going to put his reputation on the line as one of the most plugged-in um, uh, media people with the players. He's going to cost his reputation, potentially lose his job at TNT all for this. Nah, I'm not buying that. Hockey Reddit, come on. I rarely agree with Hockey Reddit anyways. Every time one of my buddies sends me stuff from there, it's always a bunch of nonsense I disagree with. I debate whether or not he's doing it to troll with me at this point, but such is. Uh moving on, Thomas Tatar switches agents. Uh he went to Newport, who represents Dalin, Horvat, Eric Carlson, Phil Kessel, Kuznetsov, Stamkos, and Mark Stone signs a $1.5 million deal with the Colorado Avalanche. Colorado just got a little bit better. Nice little signing for them. Uh Tatar, we were talking about him a couple weeks ago as a guy. It, it was rumored that he was going to go to an Eastern team, and uh People were trolling on uh, Elliot Friedman, reminding him that Colorado is not on the East Coast, which is, of course, not. Uh, but now, you know, they continue to build up that roster. Uh, there are some questions with some forwards there. Landeskog and Nachushkin, especially. Landeskog because of injury and Nachushkin because of uh, an investigation with uh, a woman uh, in a certain line of work, let's just say. I'll leave it at that. But I mean, if the Avalanche are able to keep it together, I still think they need to move a defenseman to add a forward. Um, Samuel Girard has not looked good there last couple of years. If they can find a way to move him for a forward, I think they could be in good shape. That This is a team that you can have anyone in net, though. You'll be okay. Uh, one more note in the NHL. Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman spoke at an NHL GM coaches summit, kind of warning them, about all things not to do in the case of, uh, well, we all know the situation with uh, Kyle Beach. Uh, I have mixed feelings about this, because on one hand, um, you know, the league doesn't want to protect its players and its co- or uh, its GMs and its coaches, kind of tell them what not to do, the things to avoid. Uh, But on the other hand, this is just an event for these two to kind of shake hands and kind of get their next jobs lined up. Do they even deserve this opportunity? I don't know. Uh, We all know in Chicago that there were other people there telling Quenville and Bowman that they'd take care of it, which they obviously did not. But still, you're the coach, you're the GM. It's your house. Clean it the fuck up. And Quenville, I can't remember with Bowman, but Quenville for sure gave um, that asshole, that idiot, that fucking creep, a letter of recommendation... To, for a job to work with children where he, he, of course, assaulted a teenager. That's unacceptable. I would not hire... As, as amazing as a head coach as Joel, Joel Quenville is, I would not hire him as a head coach. It's not worth it. Should be blacklisted, honestly, because of that. But I mean, hockey, we know the way how this uh, brotherhood is. It's... uh. Makes me a little bit sad that, he, that both these guys are going to get second chances easily. After hearing that uh, Quenville had not done enough to get his job back, I mean, you got to imagine he's got something lined up the league's going to clear him back. Uh, Let's move on from that sour note to another sour note the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh boy, I was not looking forward to talking about this one. So. Weekend series. Friday, beat Kansas City. Saturday, beat Kansas City. Sunday, oh boy, we actually got a sweep. It's against Kansas City, but I mean, you know, they're still a major league team. You can only beat who's in front of you. Fantastic. We're in control of the wild card race, playing Texas, who's trailing us in a four game series at home. What an opportunity. It also became an opportunity to blow. Monday, they lose 10-4. Tuesday, a game I was at, they lost 6-3. I was at the best of the disasters. Wednesday, 10-0 loss. 10-0. Thursday, 9-2 loss. A four-game sweep against being swept in four games by a team that's chasing you down for one of the final playoff spots. Pathetic. 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 Left five series left in the season. All against AL East opponents. Oh boy, a division, your own division that you've struggled mightily with. Boston, two against the Yankees, two against Tampa. Oof. Well, Friday they beat the Red Sox 3-0. And yesterday, in 13 innings, they beat the Red Sox 4-3. We'll see what happens today. Game is at 137. Ryu versus Pavetta. Pavetta. Could go either way. Either way, the Jays got this series. Uh Tuesday, they're in the in New York for a three game set against the Yankees. Friday, they head to Tampa. Three game set against the Rays. And then the next week, three games at home, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday against the Yankees. And then you close out Friday, Saturday, Sunday against Tampa Bay. At home. These road games are going to be critical. You got to go into the Yankee Stadium and fucking smash them. They're dead last in the AL East. Show those losers what it's all about. I know Vladdy's been coming around lately, but holy shit, Vlad. Get your act together, buddy. Well, it's been one of the most disappointing performances by what's supposed to be a star player here. Like in the whole thing about the home run derby. I, I don't know. I go back and forth on this one because people say, oh, you know, it ruins your swing. Well, he was hitting a lot of ground balls, so he needed to kind of get those uh, air balls going to get that swing back. It hasn't worked. He's still swinging at fucking hot, hot garbage. Chapman's back. Okay. Gives us a little bit of a boost. Davis schneider has been hitting the cover off the ball. You got to love him. Love the stash. Sam so hit a home run on Tuesday. Good for him. Pitching just fell apart this week against Texas. And when you don't have the run support to back it up, you're going to lose every time. Every time. Can they get back on track? We'll see. But it's a problem that uh, we've talked about a little bit. We have four number fours, or four number twos, rather. You can maybe even argue five number twos now with Ryu coming back, pitching the way he's pitching. Looked pretty good. Puked it up a little bit on uh, Tuesday, though. Still the best of the bad pitching performances by the starters. Either way, Jay's still hanging on to that final wildcard spot, the one that you debatably want, playing because uh, you'd rather play the Twins than Tampa, especially in Tampa. But it's a tight one for that number two wild card. Texas just Texas is just half a game ahead. Then Seattle's just half a game behind us. This is going to come down to the final series, possibly the final game. I had a note here: Jay suck," and just not the result. <laughs> a little a throwback to uh, was trying to be uh, a little change here that we were maybe trying to make here at the house that happens the players don't suck the results do doesn't always feel like that one bad week by a starter shouldn't cost you your season amen the clubhouse looks like it's a mess whose team is this vladys Bose? no one knows should we have gotten rid of the jacket i don't know probably not looks like no one's having fun I don't know what to make of this team this year, honestly. Uh, going down the lineup a little bit, Alex Minoa reportedly didn't report to AAA Buffalo after being sent down and obviously will not pitch again for the rest of the year. Schneider says he is not ready to compete. Oh, boy. So on top of physical issues with Minoa, there's now attitude issues as well. Great. Alec, I just hope you get your shit together in the offseason. I want to see you come in healthy, strong, in shape in spring training. Planning on going to Florida for this in February. If I see you fat again, I'll be disappointed. This is the guy who's supposed to be the ace. Is this another flash in the pan? Another Aaron Sanchez? Another Ricky Romero? I hope not. But could be, and it's all in your hands, Alec. We, We know the talent that you got. going around the league otani shohei otani clearing his locker with the angels he has played his last game there and i got to make a make up for a mistake earlier on the show i said he had another year left on his contract with the angels that it was incorrect that was fake news otani is playing on his last year of his contract he will be a free agent this winter he's going to the dodgers no i'm kidding maybe he is i don't know i suspect he's he's going to stay west coast doesn't have to move that far, if if at all, to play with the Dodgers. The question is, will he still win MVP? I think he probably will. He'd be my vote, but uh, Corey Seager, Texas, certainly making a case for himself. And then the Angels also looking to trade Mike Trout, potentially, this offseason as well. Although his best years are behind him, you can imagine he's going to fetch you a pretty price. Just what disaster for the Angels though, going all in at the deadline, giving up all those assets for nothing. If I was an Angels, said I'd be very upset. If I was an Angels fan, I'd be very upset, very upset. You're already eliminated from playoff contention. We're going to finish with 75 wins. What does that get you nothing? Going around the league, though, we'll also... I'll take a quick look at the National League wildcard race. And boy, is that heated up. Cubs, Diamondbacks hanging in there. Just a half game apart. Uh, Cincinnati in a, in, tied with Arizona. I believe they're losing in a tiebreaker to the Diamondbacks. Miami just a half game back of them. And the Giants two games behind Miami. So, I mean, five teams battling for those last two spots in the wild card we thought the American League was crazy but uh, the National League that much crazier and I should apologize it's the Red Sox back and last in the AL East not the Yankees Yankees a little hot right now which is a little scary facing the Blue Jays but regardless Uh Atlanta's already clinched the NL East Dodgers have already clinched the NL West um, we all expect this to be a Dodgers Braves, National League Championship Series. Hopefully it lives up to that. But I mean, watch out for the Phillies as well. They could be one of those teams to sneak in there. Potentially eliminate the Dodgers. We'll see if it lines up that way. American League side, you're looking. Tampa Bay, a game back of Baltimore. Two more games in the loss column though. Twins look like they're going to have the Central wrapped up. And then it's a tight battle for the AL West. So whoever, so Houston with Texas half a game back and Seattle one and a half games back of first. The good news is there, though, that if you finish second place there, you're basically guaranteed to make the playoffs as a wild card. Uh, If you're number three, you'll have a decent chance as well. It's going to come between you and the Blue Jays. Then it looks like Milwaukee's just about ready to wrap up the National League Central. Looked like Chicago had a chance. Now they're six and a half games back. It looks like their best chance after losing four in a row. Looks like their best chance is going to come in the wild card. I've been a little high on the Cubs this year. I think they might sneak into the playoffs. So we'll see. NFL. The NFL. The big one, the one you've all been waiting for. Week one, what a ton of fun. Uh, I got to watch the first half of the game before I had to rush home and get up last episode. Uh, Of course, opening night, Lions Chiefs. Watching that with uh, Cruz, a hardcore Lions fan, was uh, an enjoyable experience. Him freaking out, going back and forth between loving and hating Goff. Lions pull it out, though. Uh, Mike Tirico saying that the Lions won with an asterisk. Because of no Kelsey and no Chris Jones. Get that shit out of there. There's no asterisks in sports. You win or lose. That's it. Lions won. Give him credit. Don't be a jerk. Uh, I also want to talk about uh, Dan Campbell. Had an absolutely ludicrous quote about the Detroit Lions. Or just about his, his attitude, his prep going into game day. I thought this was a fake quote at first. So it was just so ridiculous. But then during my pre-show meeting with Cruz, he told me, No, this is actually this is true. I start the day with eleven raw ostrich eggs. The ostrich is a living velociraptor, and my body runs better with a prehistoric alpha predator protein. That's just science. Then I knock out a quick workout. All glamour muscles. This isn't for function. This is for intimidation. When my biceps are blazing and my body is hopped up on dino protein, I make sweet love to Mrs. Campbell with a photo of the opposing team's coach taped on the bedstand and Steven Seagal movies playing on full blast. My theory behind this is, if I can finish while looking at you, I can beat you. Again, science. Can you see why I thought that was fake? I mean, that's just Dan Campbell in a nutshell. Because I saw it, I'm like, okay, that's fake, but... I mean you could believe that he said that. Well guess what? He said that. <laughs> Just I, I love this man. Wanting to have the live lion at the sideline. He, he's the ultimate like game player to like run through a wall for him. Like how can he not be that way? Just hilarious. That's that's the guy you want coaching your football team. Hundred percent. Every day. Love Dan Campbell. Lions 1-0. Sunday night football. Actually, we'll we'll talk a little bit about a few other games. So my Patriots kept it close against the Eagles. Came down to the final drive, basically. Surprised it came down that way. I did not think the Patriots were going to be able to keep this within one score. Uh, Was that tell us does that tell us more about the Eagles or more about the Patriots? I wonder. I think it tells us a lot about the Patriots with an offensive coordinator. Maybe Mac Jones is a little better than we think. We know the Patriots' defense is always going to be killer. I got a little bit of a surprise about them later on. Cleveland, smashing the Cincinnati Bengals held them to three points now i picked the bengals to go to the super bowl i still stand by that but joe burrow's problems in cleveland i mean do we need to get like some sort of like sports psychologist in on this just smashing him there i don't know that's a weird one uh san francisco looks like another super bowl team i had they look like the real deal here they smashed pittsburgh in pittsburgh Uh, I listened to people who were at the game saying that it was just miserable. Not hearing Pittsburgh first down for the longest time. For for a while. I think they only had like one or two yards on offense. Matt Canada, questionable offensive coordinator. We all know that. Going up against an elite defense. All questions you had about Brock Purdy, I think, have been answered. I think this team's ready to win a Super Bowl. I think they're going to do it this year. Tampa Bay beat Minnesota week one I'll say it Minnesota's fraudulent this year Raiders beating the Broncos ouch Sean McVay or oh, Sean McVay <laughs> Sean Payton ouch now it's official he hates Russell Wilson <laughs> I think we can agree on that this is his just you know attempt to kind of show management that Russell's not his guy This whole season I do not believe in the Broncos The Rams Killing the Seahawks in Seattle What the hell happened Now I gotta give it to Cruz He was all over Matt Stafford Saying that he looks like The Matt Stafford of old The one we all love and You know Want to see I called suspicious But I mean 30 to 13 win That's pretty convincing Maybe the Rams are the real deal I don't know I'll say that maybe they're better than we think. Maybe they're not uh, the dumpster fire that maybe a lot of us were trying to write them off as. Packers killing Chicago. No Aaron Rodgers, no problem. Jordan Love. I mean, it's the Bears. Eh. But, you know, 38-20. Convincing. The most exciting game of the day, of course, was Miami versus the Chargers two fraudulent teams one of them had to win it was Miami why because LA has possibly the worst coach in the league I love Justin Herbert I love a lot of the guys in this team I'm surprised that coach sells a job though he's got to be on the hot seat especially if they don't make the playoffs which they won't Sunday nighter that was a doozy I was over at my buddy Dom's place watching this one. He's a Cowboys fan. A lot of laughing during this game because the Cowboys destroy the Giants, forty nothing, forty nothing. Think about that. I mean, the Giants' offensive line just terrible, just terrible. Mika, Micah Parsons just double teamed Oh, doesn't matter (laughs) he'll run right through you anyways and get to the quarterback and I mean like poor Daniel Jones just no protection I don't know what he was still doing in the game for as long as he was in there I don't know they gotta fix that offensive line Maybe I had the Giants, I believe, in the playoffs. Maybe I should second-guess that. But Cowboys, holy, they look strong. I have their defense in one of my fantasy leagues. Got me 37 points. Could they be an actual Super Bowl contender this year? We'll see. I won't uh, get ahead of myself after week one. Then, of course, the Monday Nighter. Jets beating the Bills in overtime. Josh Allen... Oh, I mean, okay. Let's not bury the lead. Aaron Rodgers injured on the first series. Season done. We all saw the replay. We all saw the ACL or whatever it is, that calf muscle pop. Ugh. Oh, reminded me of Kevin Durant. Not fun. I had the Jets in the playoffs. I don't anymore. Bad way to go. They pull out the win because Josh Allen just cannot win in overtime. He threw that one away. Terrible decision-making. I believe we talked about this a little bit before, where he's at that age where you haven't got the MVPs, you haven't got the Super Bowls yet. It's not going to happen. It's starting to look like it's not going to happen for Josh Allen. Yikes. Now uh, a little bit of trivia on that uh, play that took Aaron Rodgers out. So the Patriots traded down in the 2023 NFL Draft. All comes back to the Patriots, of course. So they trade down in the draft with the Steelers to block the Jets from selecting offensive tackle Broderick Jones. Jets offensive tackle Dwayne Brown, who's was playing because of that missed the block on the play that ended Aaron Rodgers' season. And the picture I have just have just has Bill Belichick sipping on some orange juice. This man's out here playing 4D chess. For those 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 of you that said Bill Belichick has lost it, shame on you. Shame on you. I also want to get to so before we get to week two picks, Chad Ochocinco had some ridiculous comments this week talking about players getting injured. He thinks it's because players are eating healthier. What? This is from a guy that eats McDonald's every day. Ocho Cinco's a a freaking freak. Let's be real. He also said that he would give up sex before McDonald's. Guys acting like Wendy's doesn't exist. Weird take, but okay. I, I don't need to go into why I think this is ridiculous. I understand that there's food, you know, the food we have today has less nutrients, but I mean, these guys have nutritionists. There's all this food science, sports science. I don't believe that there's more because guys are eating more healthy, having green shakes. That's nonsense. Don't trust Chad Ochoacinco with any health science. End of story. Week two picks. So we have, this is, the time is currently 12.12 on a Sunday. Bears at Buccaneers. Tampa Bay favored by two and a half at home. I don't love this game. Two teams that are not very good going up against each other. Can Tampa go 2-0? and I say yes. Take them. I'll take the two or whatever. Give them the two and a half points. I think Tampa wins this. Bears, after that pathetic performance against the Packers, I really can't see them winning on the road. I think they're going to be 0-2. In Tampa, like somehow they're going to be 2-0. and Could keep them alive in the division race by the end, right? <laughs> Atlanta favored by three points over the Green Bay Packers. This is an interesting one. Both teams 1 0 after last week. I think people are buying the Falcons Kool Aid a little bit too much. I talked about that last week on, last, on the last show. I'll take the Packers. I'll take the points. Indianapolis at Houston. This one's a pick Again, another one I don't love. <laughs> Two bad teams in a. Frankly, terrible division going up against each other. I'll take the home team. I'll take the Texans because the Colts are just a mess. Seahawks at Lions. Lions ling five and a half points. Seahawks might look like a bigger mess, or might be a bigger mess than they look like. I think the Lions are going to be two and zero. Oh. I'll lay the points. I'll give I'll give Seattle the points here. I'll take the Lions five and a half. Chargers at Titans Titans the home dog uh, laying two and a half points or I should say the Chargers are laying two and a half points another tough one I think both these teams are fraudulent Chargers lost a tough one last week though Titans they're coming off a tight loss on the road to the Saints could go either way tight spread as well so I mean this is the one where you pick the winner should be the same team that uh, is going to win the spread battle as well I'll take the Chargers I really don't believe in the Titans I think they're going to be in the bottom of the league LA's got to win some games here Bengals favored by three and a half against Baltimore Ooh, I don't think Baltimore or excuse me I don't think Cincinnati's going to go zero two I'll take them give the Ravens the points Buffalo at home against the Raiders. Buffalo favored by seven and a half. I'll take the bills. Uh, the win easy. can the Raiders keep it within seven and a half? I don't know. I think the Raiders are more fraudulent. bills are like, yeah, but the the Raiders are straight up fraudulent. Kansas City at Jacksonville, Kansas City favored by three points. Can Kansas City go 0-2? I don't think they will. I think they're going to win this game. I'll take the uh, the three points there as well. I'll take them against the spread. San Francisco favored by seven at LA. Two 1-1 teams going up against each other. San Fran's too strong. I I really don't see the Rams keeping this within seven points either. So I'll take the San Fran on the points as well. Giants going into Arizona favored by four and a half. Arizona sucks. Awful. People are just waiting for uh, Kyler Murray to come back in so he can fail after Call of Duty double XP weekends. I'll take the Giants against the spread as well. Don't see the Cardinals keeping this close. Cowboys at home to the Jets. Eight and a half points are what the Cowboys are favored by. I think this is going to be like... A twelve. This is going to be double win, double digit win for the Cowboys. Uh, we saw that offensive line being a problem for the Jets week one against the Bills. Now you got the Dallas front seven going up against them. I think they're going to plow through. Denver hosting Washington. Denver favored by four points. Oh, this is a tough one. I think I'm going to take Washington actually. Don't have anything behind it. Just a hunch. I don't like Denver. Denver's at home, though. Ugh. Oh, boy. Denver. How would it, how'd it go last week? They lost by one point to the Raiders. Ugh. I changed my mind. Denver. But I think Washington keeps it close. I'll take the Commanders against the spread. Give me the points. Sunday Nighter. Dolphins at... Patriots, Dolphins favored by three. This is my bold prediction of the week. Not only do the Patriots win this game, but they're making the playoffs. We're going to run holes through the Dolphins front seven. The run defense looked weak as hell against the Chargers. I think Stevenson's going to have himself a hell of a week here tonight. Give me the Pats all day, baby. Two Monday nighters. This week, New Orleans at Carolina. New Orleans favored by three at home, making the Panthers home dogs. I'll take the Saints. I don't like Carolina. And then Browns at Steelers. Browns favored by two on the road. Give me the home dogs. I don't think the Patriots. I don't think the Steelers go to own uh, two. Have them in the playoffs. You don't go in the playoffs many times by starting off own two. And also a little bit of a recap Thursday night. Philly just getting past Minnesota. But could be a little bit of uh, some Thursday night funkiness, we could call it. We're almost done here on the show, but uh, just one little note. Um, So recently, there's a little bit of uh, a debate, a kerfuffle, if you will, about uh, the title of world champion being used for um, the NBA champs, particularly, but also the Super Bowl winners and the World Series winners get that as well. But they're not real world champions. Because they don't represent a country. Well, let's put it like this, though. Are they not the best club team in the world in that sport? I think that's pretty deserving of a world champion moniker. What, just because they don't have a, a country's flag or banner on their uniform, it doesn't count? They're not the best in the world. I don't buy that nonsense. If anything, leagues like the NHL should be leaning into this a lot more. They are the the winner of the Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup champion is the world champion of hockey. They are the best team in the world. I don't care about the KHL, that corrupt league, where, you know, it's uh, political appointments basically get you your coaching job. Like CSKA, uh, or excuse me, SKA. K.A. St. Petersburg, look into that. Meechkoff didn't get into that today on the show. But they're the world champions, but the NHL has not used that ever since the WHA came into existence in 1972. why they stop? Bring it back. Vegas Golden Knights, world champions of hockey. You heard it. Or are they afraid to step on the double IHF's toes? I don't know. That's where the NFL is the best. It doesn't have to deal with any of this nonsense. Basketball even, I don't know. Maybe they get some pressure from FIBA, but then NBA's too big. They don't care. Then MLB World Series, they've had that title since 1903. That was the first World Series. Love it. They are the world champions. NBA champs, world champs. I stand by that and so should you. Now I'll just about do it for myself in the house that happens this week. I really thank you for listening uh, to just my voice this week. You don't have the colorful... Crazy Cruz, car accident couldn't take him down. I don't think anything can really, maybe except for you know Darth Vader or Batman. Maybe Dan Campbell. Maybe those are the, are the only three things that could take him down. But uh, we're expecting Cruz to come back next week. Speedy recovery, cruise I know you're listening. Uh, not the same without you. I tried my best to hold the house down. And uh, once again, I'd like to thank you for listening. It's Andrew Milani for the house that happens. Keep the vibe alive. You can find The House That Happens on Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Samsung, Podchaser, Boomplay, YouTube, and SoundCloud. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at the House That Happens, and follow us on Twitter at HouseHappens. You can also shoot us an email at TheHouseThatHappens at gmail.com.